What's up, Poison Pals? Welcome back to another episode of That Shit is Poison with myself, Megan Gessner. And myself, Harini Bot. And we have a very, very special guest on the pod today. I've talked about him quite a lot at this point. And it's my new husband, Dave. So say hi, Dave. Hey, listeners. How's it going? <laughs> so Dave's going to be telling us a story later on, a very special ghost story, because the theme of this episode is ghost stories for our spooky dookie spooktober series on the pod. So we are deviating a little bit from our usual topic of poisons just for the month of October to talk about everything spooktacular. (laughs) And this theme, as I said, is going to be ghost stories. So Real quick before we start today's episode, I wanted to give a quick shout out to my good buddy, Ben Cundiff. Ben, we love you so much for listening. You are one of our OG listeners. We love you. But something I love so much about Ben is that when he tunes in, he always DMs me and my friend group about additional information about what we might be talking about. And it's so cool and so informative. So there's a couple things that he shared in response to our two previous spooktober episodes so um in saved by the bell you know we talked about being buried alive and all that ben messaged me and he made actually a a little quip but he pretty much was like you know for how much you guys were obsessed with priapism and again as in the in the previous previous episodes uh a, a reminder priapism is when you have a prolonged direction that is probably more of a clinical issue at a certain point and that was from our episode about the blister beetles but ben he gave us a fun little tidbit that there's a thing called angel lust or also known as death erection basically it's a post-mortem erection that's observed in a corpse of men who have been executed particularly by hanging i'm reading that off of wiki (laughs) but but the reason why ben brought it up is because like the concept of being buried alive and then uncovering the body there could potentially be like a angel lust situation yeah yeah. (laughs) when you uncover their body and dig them up so ben thank you for that fun fact angel lust is a fun term that i'll remember for life but but also ben i think what you could also be alluding to is if they have angel lust then that could be the movement that rings the bells yeah Yeah, like yeah that's true what what are the bell mechanisms tied to you never know activates upon any kind of movements they didn't say what kind of movement (laughs) ding-a-ling the other thing that ben brought up and this was in reference to the episode before this about sleep paralysis i'm just going to read it straight from the dm he sent So he said, the hearing voices thing is normal. It's a commonish form of hypnagogic hallucination. Hypnagogic, I think if if I recall correctly, that means when you are falling asleep. Yes. So hypnagogic is when you're falling asleep. And he continues, it came up when I was working with a doctor on some sleep issues a few years ago. Rather than hearing my family members call my name, I hear my current and former bosses calling my name because evidently they're who I think about the most. And so as a reminder from the previous episode, uh, any type of sleep disorder sometimes can be attributed to your daily stressors. So poor Ben um, somehow associated his bosses or current bosses. Maybe it's like a stressor for him, but that was causing him to hear his name being called in their voices as he was falling asleep. So I thought that was very interesting. And also another thing I... I absolutely love about Ben is that before he even knew we were going to do an episode on ghosts, he mentioned the um, Penangalan floating head with entrails lady. So he's just ahead of the game. Yeah, we he's should ahead definitely have Ben game. on here. Ben, we need to have you on the pod. So we'll talk about that later offline. <laughs> All right. So we can go into our story now. So uh, sources for my ghost stories are from Times of India, Scoop Whoop. <laughs> Supernatural beings from Indian folklore, (laughs) Uh, India Times, Scary Asian Urban Legends, and then History.com. So when we're talking about ghosts, I think it's natural to ask the question, do you believe in ghosts? Because some people don't. So Megan and Dave, do you believe in ghosts? I guess uh, you'll find out. (laughs) Suspenseful. Always the mystery man. Mm -hmm. 
I think I do. I was okay. kind of originally say I go back and forth, but I think <laughs> at the end of the day, I do believe in like, sometimes there might be a spirit or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know, because that's just culturally ingrained embedded in, in me. Exactly. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I think my whole family is very superstitious. And by my whole family, I mean just my mom. <laughs> she she speaks for everybody she speaks for everybody exactly (laughs) but i think it's just fascinating how ghosts and ghost stories date back from beginning of time like it doesn't matter culturally like every single culture around the world has some version of a ghost or ghost stories that they pass down from family to family and in addition to that what stems from the same vein is like folklore but today i really wanted to focus on notable ghosts and like scary folklore hailing from asia kind of more focusing on india but i am gonna get like a smattering of like other uh parts of asia as well so i'm just gonna get right into it i found a few stories that i want to share with you guys and then we can go into dave's story okay so the first one i found was interesting it's called nishi or nishi da it hails from bengal which is like Northeast is what they said. Okay. And in India, we call ghost booth. That's basically equivalent term of ghost. And Nishidak is also found in Bihar. Like the story is also in Bihar or Jharkhand. Nishi is a female ghost who will call out to her victims at night in the voice of a person you love. So she will basically take on, like, for example, it was going to be me and Dave. So if I was walking in the middle of the night, this Nishi ghost would call out in Dave's voice. And of course, I know Dave's voice very well. So I would definitely turn around and be like, what? (laughs) So this ghost will appear in a form that either the victim can't fully see, like it's just kind of like an apparition, or it will appear in the form of the person whose voice they are using, i.e. that person you love and know their voice very well. This Nishi will walk very fast and ahead of the victim in a way that makes the victim want to follow her to a deserted area where she will then kill you. (laughs) Okay, but how does it kill the victim? I didn't get that far. (laughs) So I I picture... I was doing a cursory research. (laughs) I picture like... um, Because you used the example of you and Dave. So for some reason, (laughs) I picture Dave in like all white or this version of the Nishi as Dave, like an all white outfit, but like speed walking. (laughs) Just like Like his hands are going really fast. (laughs) I do think the way that the Nishi will kill you is, I think just by eating you or something like all consuming type of death. Anyways, the one way to save yourself from Nishi is to know that Nishi can't call out your name more than two times. So typically, the way that they tell you is like, okay, if you hear someone calling your name at night, wait until they call your name a third time. If they only call your name twice, don't go outside. No, really, that's what it says. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm like, okay, yo, what if Dave was really outside in trouble by the second call? You're not there. You're not there. And he's just gone, (laughs) unfortunately. You didn't help him out. (laughs) But they say to wait three times until that person calls your name three times, and then you can go outside. Some people say, even wait a fourth time, (laughs) because you just never know. So I guess now I know why you don't pick up my call. (laughs) I don't know if it extends to technology, but sure. (laughs) Nishi has upgraded to the 21st century. Because also, it's like, why do these ghosts happen like specifically nishi and i think a lot of ghosts from india typically nishi will develop from a soul whose family didn't do all the proper rites when they passed so they're just like pissed that does bring up a good point though because there's there was like a comedy or something where they were discussing like why can't ghosts especially people who die like in the 21st century utilize technology so i think there's value in that conversation (laughs) like maybe it could transfer over to calls but that's that's a whole nother philosophical discussion around ghosts it's not the point maybe that's who keeps calling me for my car warranty (laughs) the the car ghost (laughs) uh this one is a little scarier because it's more recent i don't know how to pronounce this but i'll try my best it's called monochwa monochwa 
is a ghost or demon that originates in Kanpur. Well, fun fact, Poison Pals, uh, Papa Bot went to college in Kanpur. So I actually should ask him if he knows this story. But anyways, this happened in the early 2000s. It's a ghost that originated and came about only in the 2000s. So it's not like an older demon thing. It's a violent, sharp-edged entity that is said to scratch your face clean off and leaves you to die. <laughs> we Okay, so we kind of talked about this before we even started recording, but already I'm just getting giddy over the idea of like, there's something about Asian ghosts that they are just so creatively designed. <laughs> yes. Because I'm like, you know, when you think ghost, you think, ooh, like transparent, like you can put your hand through it. Right, like, right, right. Or it can like come in and possess you. But no, no. ghosts in Asian cultures, <laughs> they are violent. Very violent. They, they can be sharp, apparently. <laughs> like I said, and what's crazier is this is a relatively new demon. During the early 2000s, this became the most talked about phenomenon in Kanpur. Like the entire area wouldn't sleep at night the villages wouldn't sleep at night because they're genuinely afraid because seven people died this way in 2002 i believe do you have an example of like one of the seven people obviously how did these people die via mm. this ghost but yeah, like yeah. but in all reality <laughs> people's faces were getting chopped off like, i believe happening? so like i think they were mutilated like their skin was ripped off their face the sorry this is like really graphic oh, yeah, but uh, i think that's just what it was but there were some survivors so of course like all these demons and ghosts attack their prey in the middle of the night and survivors of this ghost slash demon would come back with scratches all over their face and they describe this monotra as in a range of descriptions so first is like fuzzy with soulless eyes and the pictures from the journal article was almost like a tarantula like a big like fuzzy spider Others claim it to look like a giant insect. So it was more like a, like think of a spider, but with like knives, like legs. I that is so fascinating. Yeah. Dave, are you skeptical of this? Because in my mind, okay, sorry. There's, like I said, there's a part of me that does believe in ghosts, but then there's a part of me that's like, that sounds like it could have been an actual creature and people were just, do you have thoughts, Dave? I believe in science. As long as there is some logical justification, then, then anything is believable, but other than that, I don't. I don't think. <laughs> but how? How do these people die? How do you explain that? Yeah, so there's probably some logical explanation that probably has nothing to do with the ghost. Honestly, my first thought was like it's a serial killer. You know, I'm thinking it's someone that's attacking their victims at night. And yeah, it's like and a, it's just like a really messed yeah, up kind of way. Like a giant rat that has rabies <laughs> or something. I don't know. But yeah. we should. <laughs> Well, we should do a thing where you tell a story yeah. and then Dave and I can decide. Fact <laughs> or fiction? Fact or fodder. Okay. Yeah. So doctors were actually called in to investigate those that got attacked and survived. And the doctors, similar to what Dave's sort of saying, there's some science and practicality behind it. They said that the scratches were self-inflicted unknowingly by the victim themselves as part of a fear or psychosis. So whether or not it is real... What is real, as I said, is these villages in India were genuinely afraid. Like, they really thought that they were going to die by this horrible death. And again, as I said, seven people actually died this way. So that's one thing. I have two more stories, and then I have one fun one from Malaysia. <laughs> okay, so this is in Rajasthan. Just like how out west here in California is known for its gold rush era in terms of ghost towns, so Bangar, Rajasthan, uh, it goes up one from the gold rush ghost towns. It is an entire royal ghost city. Apparently, it's a very popular tourist destination, but it's only toured during the day. No one ever stays there at night. So back when it was a bustling sitting and thriving, that was back in the 16th and 17th century before it was deserted. It's generally believed, and this is where I'm going to get eye rolls from Dave, but it's generally believed that a noble wizard princess named Rani Ratnawati foiled the black magic plot of a male sorcerer to seduce her. The sorcerer was pissed about this and in revenge cursed the entire city and that's how the city was abandoned. That's one theory. Second theory is that Maddo Singh, who's the, the son of the town's founder, was very greedy and built a palace in an era that was considered forbidden. So bad things just started to happen after that and ultimately the entire town was abandoned. Locals claim that if you try to build a house in Bangar, that the roof will soon collapse. Even the Indian Archaeological Survey Society believes in this whole creep factor of Bangar and doesn't allow anyone to go there at night. 
I do enjoy the introduction of wizards and sorcerers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, noble wizard princess is like what I want to have on my gravestone. <laughs> so this last one is about the mystery surrounding Vrindavan, which Dave, you know what this is. Can you tell people what it is? Vrindavan is the holy city uh, where Rama is from. And Krishna. So Actually, mm-hmm. yeah, Krishna, not Rama. It's not Rama, yeah. yeah. So for those who are not aware, in Hindu mythology, some people also just believe that it's real. Um, but in Hindu scriptures, one of our uh, most famous gods, I would say, is Lord Krishna. And he is from where Dev is from in India, in the state of Gujarat. And there's a town or city, I'm not sure which one, called Vrindavan. And that's where he's he's known to reside back in the day. That's like his home. It's a holy place. And one of the most popular myths is that Krishna and his wife Radha and all of her, I guess you could say like girl servants and friends, they're called gopis. They would come together in the forest and then do dances. So like Garba and Ras, which we did at our wedding. So that all comes from the state of Gujarat and people still do it to this day. But anyway, so they would dance in this forest area in Vrindavan. And after a certain time in the evening, people are asked to leave the entire place. They're not allowed there. And they say that anyone who witnesses the event, meaning the dancing, goes mad. <laughs> this for sure is um, out of the ones you've told. Like, I like this because in my opinion, I'm like, this is like a positive yeah. ghost story besides the going mad part. But I'm like, oh, it's yeah. so beautiful. Like, think more than a ghost story. It ties more to like mythology, um, mythology yeah. which this is I more love. folklore. Right. More folklore. I love that concept of imagining a person just happening to be in that area. Yeah. And, like, and then and they're peeking peering, through the yes. bushes and suddenly you see like these glowing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how they would be described, but no, that's how I think of yeah, it. Like, too. like glowing <laughs> figures dancing. And yeah. then when they see you, mm-hmm, they like mm-hmm. disappear. Exactly. Crazy. No, I love that. Have, I love that. Have you heard of this where people will go mad if they see Krishna and the gopis dancing? Actually, I've never heard of this, but I do know that Krishna and and his gopis or Radha, I mean, spent their childhood there. So mm. there's a lot of stories about that. But actually, have you been n- there? no, I have never been there. Yeah. So there's supposed to be a mandir or like a temple there where you, everyone is allowed to come there during the day. Like you can give your blessings and get blessed. Everyone has to leave. So they set up actually like fruit and like a cot for Krishna mm. to come sleep there because they still believe like he still lives there. And and in the morning, when they come, they lock up the mandir, the temple, and then they go home for the evening because, again, no one's allowed in the evening. They'll come back in the morning, and then all the fruit is eaten, and, like, the cot is as if someone has slept in it. I mean, of course, it could be anybody, but but the whole idea is, like, no one has seen it because people who have said that they've seen it or have gone there at night says they don't remember what happened the next morning. Like, it's almost like their memory has been wiped. I don't know if that's true, fact or fiction, perhaps, but... I thought that was very interesting. Would you ever dare to put that theory to the test? Okay. Well, I ask it in a sense of like, because for me, I hear that. And to me, that's just more of like, I think it's a warning of respect the grounds. You know, that's how I read that. So in my head, I'm like, you know what? It might not be the case, but I want to be respectful. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take that risk. But also at the same time, I'm like, man, if I was like Mythbusters though, and I had permission, like I could just... Just do it. I would want to see... I would love to see. Yeah. See if I can't remember anything. Like I'm willing to go mad over it. <laughs> Just to test. Okay. So this is a story I had from Malaysia. This is straight off of Reddit. It has nothing to do with really like folklore. I just thought it was a good story. So actually, there's a longer story that precedes this. This is from Reddit. That one is actually kind of scary. But but then someone commented below that and was like, I have a story myself. Like, doesn't even comment on the other person's story. They're just like, move aside. Like, here's mine. Okay. So in Form 3, which I'm assuming is Grade 3, I stayed in the school hostel. Our hostel was a former clinic during World War II. There are many rumors that the hostel was haunted, but I never really believed any of them because they sound so bullshit. I'm just going to read exactly how he says it. Oh, and this is from Hampro1. Okay. But an incident changed my view on the supernatural. It was around midnight when I suddenly had an urge to shit. And it was a big one, too. (laughs) I couldn't hold it in. So even though I was a wimpy kid, I mustered enough courage to go to the hostel toilet. 
the hostel toilet is scary enough as it is. It was 20 meters from our dorms and no lights inside. But the scariest thing of all was it couldn't flush. <laughs> Some form five students broke it. Fucking seniors. So I had to bring a bucket, fill it up with enough water to flush the toilet and clean up. Those were tough days, man. As I was sitting there doing my business, I heard a knock on the door. Whoever is outside says something in Malay. I'm assuming meaning like, hello. <laughs> Does it does it say it's what just, the words are? It says, you want to read it? Ada Arangla. Oh, fuck, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but the knocking continued. And he goes on to be like, dude, I'm in here. Go away. I'm using the toilet. But then the knocking goes even louder now. In quotes, is like, knock, 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 knock. He's like, at this point, I'm really scared. I push my shit as hard as I can. I clean up and even flush the toilet with my bucket. All that time, the knocking continued. Then I heard the person outside whispering something. I couldn't hear what the person said, but holy hell, I was not going to stay, stay there. I kicked the door open and ran to the dorms. I was way too scared to see who was outside. It was dark, and I wasn't even sure it was still there. As I was running, I could feel someone was behind me. Then that someone made the most frightening noise I've ever heard since I told my mom I got a D. <laughs> it started doing these weird noises, and the noise was getting louder and louder. I ran as fast as I can. The thing was chasing me and I ran and ran. Finally, I could see the light near our dorm room door. By then, the thing was practically screaming. I could almost feel its breath down my neck. I saw the dorm room door, grabbed the handle, opened it, went inside and slammed the door shut. I didn't hear any weird noises after that. I took out my Bible and prayed until I fell asleep. This incident happened years ago. I don't know if my memory was accurate or I was remembering a dream but I don't ever want to experience that ever again. Yeah, I, well, that doesn't sound that like, I'm not surprised that that would be a story coming from Malaysia. I don't, based on the research that I did, like maybe that type of ghost could fall into um, a certain category, but also my thought goes good on this person based on Malaysian superstitions. The best thing to do is to not turn around. Really? The, I think so. I'm mean, like, just based on what I've been told about other like ghost stories and stuff, as long as you don't entertain the idea that there's something behind you and yeah. you just keep moving yeah. forward, you're going to be okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So Megan has some to share from her own experiences. Yeah. So I was just going to, my contribution to today's podcast is just personal ghost stories and then like a fun tidbit on one of the popular Malay quote-unquote ghosts because something I've learned in this research about Malaysian quote-unquote ghosts they're not really ghosts they're like witches that are vampiric Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but they haunt people at the same time it's very interesting but I'll start with my own personal ghost stories they're not okay I have a couple but they're ones that my mom would tell me so I don't know if I said this one on the podcast already but I think I told you this one during your bachelorette this one's quick. We were in Malaysia and in Malaysia, it's a lot of heavy, dense, tropical rainforest. Like the jungle is surrounding you in a lot of mm-hmm. parts of the the peninsula. Even when you're driving between major cities, there's lots of greenery, lots of dense jungle. Um, so there was one night where we were coming back from, you know, one city going to towards Kuala Lumpur, which is like the capital. But there's a um, it's probably, I don't know, like a 45 minute drive to up to an hour. And a lot of that expanse is just jungle. Yeah. And because of the infrastructure, they don't really have a lot of lights on the highway. Like it doesn't make sense because there's nothing out there. Like you just, you know, you just have your car, you just keep driving. Really right. So basically we're driving, 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 and you can kind of see the light pollution from the city in the distance. So, you know, you're approaching destination, but I think we were driving and it's pretty dark around us. And sometimes at night or even during the day you'll see like people that pull off to the side of the road to just kind of take a break because they're probably driving from a longer distance and so they'll pull off on the side of the road and take a break and oftentimes it's people that are on scooters because one of the main mode of transportation in malaysia is like little Mm -hmm. putt-putt scooters because that's what's affordable you will see a whole family riding one scooter with a baby on the front no seat belt no helmet whatever but i think we were driving with my auntie and we pass someone pulled off to the side and it was someone who was riding a scooter we didn't really pay them any mind but as we passed my auntie said you know when you see that on the side don't look at their feet because if you look at their feet and you see that their feet are floating off the ground 
that is a ghost or a djinn or whatever. And if they know that you know, they will follow you in your car or like they will enter your car. So she's like, so whenever you drive out at night and you know, you're in the middle of the jungle and you kind of see, oh, there's someone pulled to the side of the road. Just don't even help them. (laughs) Don't help them. Don't look at them. Don't look at their feet. Yeah. And just keep driving. And I I thought that was an interesting superstition slash like ghostly story. Okay. So I did read that in my research. Oh yeah. And now that you're saying this as, as like a confirmation that this is a real thing, if I was that little kid in the car, the first thing I would do is like, where are their feet? <laughs> yeah. Again, testing the waters. <laughs> I know. You can't help it. You yeah. like have to look down. The other story that my mom used to tell me. Okay, this one's a little longer. I should have confirmed with my mom if I'm remembering this correctly. But she would tell me this. It's based on her own experiences or whatever. But when she was a little girl, she grew up in the Kampong, which means village in Malaysia. So she's living in the jungle in the village. And she would walk to her school or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. How many miles they say it is. How parents are. But she said like there was a house or like another hut or something on the way to school that the kids would always pass. And they'd tell stories about that house. And it was an abandoned home or something. And the reason why it was abandoned is because there was a family living there. And there was like parents and a little girl. And the little girl had to use the restroom and she she goes to the restroom. And I guess during the time that she's in the restroom, there was like a breaking and entering and her parents were like macheted upstairs in the attic. And the little girl, because she's little, doesn't know how to wipe her bum bum yet. (laughs) And she's stuck on the toilet calling to her mom and dad. Oh, my God. That's like, I'm ready. Like, you know, I'm ready to get off. Like come wipe me, yeah, help yeah, yeah. me, all that. And she sits there and sits there. And by the time her parents are dead and chopped up, remember they're above her in the attic. This is getting gruesome. All these houses in Malaysia, they're like wooden floorboards, all that stilted houses. She starts feeling like droplets on her face and it's blood leaking through the floorboards from her parents' body. And basically, because she doesn't know how to wipe her butt, she never gets off the toilet and she ends up starving to death, but also drinks the blood oh. to survive, but ends up dying. <laughs> Dave's reaction. <laughs> she ends up dying herself, but that was part of the details of that she like tried to survive by drinking whatever was oh falling. Oh my God. Um, I guess it's not really a ghost story. <laughs> it was more of a lesson, I think, that my mom told us so that we would learn to wipe our butts. Oh, my God. Your mom <laughs> is, like, all the way extreme about a, her. Just oh. a murder story. And then the the last <laughs> Malaysian one, this is one I've definitely shared before on the podcast, but it has to do with there is shaman in the forest back in the day. There probably are still some shaman and, like, indigenous Malays that live out there. But there's a folklore thing that shamans will have these pets or minions. My mom described them as floating baby heads with entrails that came out, and then they would go and gather gold for the shaman at night from the villagers. And if they were hungry or unfed, they would suck on your toes, suck the blood out of your toes while you were asleep. But doing research, I realized that my mom, her interpretation is a mix of a bunch of different Malay mythologies. So one of them that is a very famous mythology is the Palangan, which is a disembodied woman's head that does have entrails, but she's more of like a, there's a whole thing there, but I don't want to take away from Dave's time. Um, But I think that's where my mom got that concept. But then there's also another Malaysian mythology of something called like a toil or, or yeah, toil, which is like also described as like a goblin, but I think what my mom was talking about was a mix of those two. So, and it's not Palangal, sorry. It's Penangal is the woman's head. That's, she's a witch. And then she can like float around with her entrails and then become a person again. And then Toil is a goblin, like a little baby creature that will like do a shaman's bidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was an interesting education for me because I always just assumed my mom knew what she was talking about. But even, you know, even they get it twisted out there. Yeah. So. But it's still a good story either way. Yeah. That would be very scary if that really existed and it's just like a mix of two different like scary demons totally put together yeah well that is all to say that it is now dave's turn to tell his story all right i guess uh that was some story you make (laughs) (laughs) 
Anyway, so I guess my story takes place, uh, well, you guys know that I'm from, I grew up in India in a small town called Kalol, mm -hmm. which is in, in the state of Gujarat. So growing up, we, our family owned a, you know, our family has been farming for many, many generations there. So we have this farm back in our original village called Soja. So one of the things growing up as a kid, you know, we used to do, me and my sister, we would take trips to go check out the farm, you know, spend, spend half a day there, uh, have a picnic and, you know, something that our grandpa and my parents, you know, enjoyed taking us to check out the farm and kind of spend more time there. So the story takes place during monsoon season and, you know, how monsoon can get so crazy in India where first thing that happens when there's, mon when there's heavy rain is the power's out as the case in many other parts of the world, right? So so I remember, uh, you know, it was one of these Sundays where we decided to go to Soja and, you know, have a picnic there. The, I was about eight years old. Yeah. Okay. Definitely there was no forecast of rain that day. So oh. we thought it'd be a perfect day to go there and spend uh, afternoon there. So we got there probably around 11 a.m. or so and did our usual, you know, we walked around the farm and kind of checked up on the mango trees and the chiku trees and all kinds of other trees, you know, and then taking a dip into our, our, our well there. So that's always something that we enjoy doing. Anyway, just just a normal, typical out outing, right? Nothing unusual. And then we had lunch there. Right after that, we were like, okay, well, I think we're ready to head back. Um, and, you know, we're we're making our way back. And so so basically the farm is super deep into the village so from the main highway or i guess the main road once you deviate off that exit it's just straight dirt dirt path so there is no proper roads or anything you're basically on a dirt path going a couple of miles deep into into the village and you know that's kind of how it goes yeah so and no like street lights or anything like that no street lights or anything and still afternoon so it's true, really, true. i mean it's pretty bright outside yeah so no issues there but as we exited and got on the main highway within 10 minutes it got super dark we saw dark clouds coming in far and within literally 10 15 minutes it was almost pitch black and even though that's that's like a highway there is no street you know lamps or any other lights or any other small towns around mm some light coming from there so it was pretty much super dark and basically the light that you have is from your from your headlight in the car and then all of a sudden it starts pouring and you know like when it pours in india it just gets crazy because the roads are not that proper and so one of the towns that we pass by on the way to soja our village is this town of limity it's called limity and basically that town is notorious for having crazy accidents because as you enter that town from the highway that was the only maybe 15 20 miles of road that's actually proper and it's like a proper highway so a lot of people would just take the opportunity to speed and i mean enjoy a nice stretch of fine road so that obviously would cause a lot of accidents yeah so that basically would lead to almost an accident or two like every day or every other day to a point where somebody had to do, do some urban development there and kind of figure out like uh, how do we stop this madness. But every once in a while, we would hear about a crazy crash on the newspaper from Limdi, like such passenger truck flipped over and, you know, killed a bunch of people. And I mean, you would hear that all the time. So... I mean, we would pass that every time we go to a soja, but would never think about, you know, those situations because we don't speed. I mean, we, my dad is very, <laughs> by the book, by the book kind of driver. He wouldn't speed <laughs> at all. Right. So, but anyway, so as we're passing by, you know, we see the sign of Limity from far because our headlights are flashing and you could see um, it being reflected. So we know, okay, that town is coming. Again, nothing, we weren't thinking about anything, but as we pass it, we see a, ref a super bright reflection far away. And that was the only thing that was being reflected and it's like super bright white reflection right in your eye. So it's very hard to miss. So my dad's naturally uh, slows down and as we come closer, 
there was a lady uh, that was basically waiting outside by the the bus stand. And it was one of those open bus stands, so it didn't really have a, a covering on top. So yeah. she's, she's basically being drenched in the rain. Mm-hmm. And she was wearing a white sari, which is kind of an uncommon thing to wear because when you wear a white sari, like anything white, that generally represents you're going to a funeral because that's kind of what you, that's kind of the outfit that you wear. I mean, we didn't think much. So my dad pulls over and, you know, asks her like, hey, what's what's happening? Like, do you need help or anything? And she's like, oh, yeah, like I, I missed the bus back to Soja. And uh, I don't think, I don't know if there's going to be another bus and it's raining and maybe, you know, the buses, actually the buses kind of stop working when it rains that heavily yeah. just for safety reasons. So since she mentioned that she's from the same village as us, my dad's like, oh, okay, tell me where you live. And since we were probably about 10 miles out, so my dad was was like, sure, like without thinking twice, yeah, just hop on board and we'll drop you off. So nothing unusual again. So she's sitting in the back. I think we, it was a seven seater car. So she's sitting all the way in the back. And then we turn around uh, and then we, obviously we know, the village pretty well so we know roughly where to go but then once you get off the main exit then it's kind of like okay you gotta know these crazy directions like yeah all right it's the first left after you see this temple or like you know something like that so then we wouldn't really necessarily know exactly where to go other than she would have to direct us exactly right? right So she's telling my dad oh yeah you make a left here and then right here and so on and so forth then after a couple of miles of again going deep into the village we end up at better farm and obviously she had a small uh farmhouse there but back in the village i mean they're used to like power outages all the time so they're well equipped with kerosene lamps and things like that so you could see that the house that she pointed at uh, had some light there so I'm, I'm guessing it was probably like some kerosene lamp yeah, yeah. Being, being lit there by somebody so she gets out and uh, she's like, uh, can you wait here for five, 10 minutes? Uh, I'm going to go inside and grab something for you. So we assume, okay, maybe she wants to, I don't know, bring out some sweets or something or a present, you know, to, like a thank you note or whatever. So we're like, okay, that sounds good. So uh, she goes inside, we see her walk in and then, you know, we're waiting there five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes almost 30 minutes in and she's not coming out or there's no other movement. So we're like, what the heck is happening? So my dad said, you know what? Why don't I just go check it out? Like maybe I'll just go say, hey, don't worry about it. We, we got to get going. And my dad gets out and then we see him go into the house and within maybe five minutes, he runs back to the car, doesn't say a single word of what the heck happened and just somehow manages to go back onto the main highway and just speed like I've never seen him speed like that before. And somehow we managed to get home. And then we're in the car like, uh, what the heck is happening? <laughs> so basically, this is what he tells us at home. So once we get home, and since we are back in town, obviously, there was no power outage there. So anyway, so he, he tells us this is what happened. Like, so he, he goes inside and again there's nobody inside the home but he sees an old guy or maybe a grandpa or someone not really entirely sure who he is uh, with respect to this this lady so he's sitting there on a swing inside the house uh, and there's a kerosene lamp right next to him that's what's basically providing the light and then he's like hey sir what happened to that that lady you know she was stranded there and we just gave her a a ride and is she is she here she said that she'll be out five minutes but she's not where is she like what's happening he turns around like very slowly (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so he turns around and then it's like oh her ah and then he points at the wall next to next to the swing and he's like oh you see that picture my dad's like, yeah. So a little backstory. This is kind of very typical in Indian household where when someone, someone passes away, you put their picture on the wall and you put a little garland on it. So that kind of represents, okay, this person has passed away. And every once in a while, you change the garland. So when you see that, you know, that means that person's dead. So he turns around and he's like, do you see that picture right there? 
He's like, yeah. The grandpa's like, that's my daughter-in-law. She passed away five years ago. And my dad's like, oh my God. <laughs> he backs like, out slowly. <laughs> are you like kidding me? Or yeah. is this a joke? So my dad's like, okay, okay. Maybe I need to get the F out of this place. So as he's about to turn around and leave, the, the grandpa turns around and says like, hey, wait, 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 don't leave yet. Do you see the picture next to no. that picture? <laughs> no. And no. my dad's like, uh, he's like, I don't even want to look at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He looks at it because he's curious now. And he's like, oh my God. And then the grandpa says, that's me. Oh. And I passed away 10 years ago. <laughs> so at that point, he freaks out. He runs out, comes to the car, says nothing. And then, you know, that's how we go home. And that's what he tells us. And oh my God. And then the next day in the newspaper, or maybe not, not the next day, but maybe the next couple of days, we find out there was a major accident right as the rain started and a female had died. So not really sure if it's the same person or not, but it was one of these crazy stories like, you know, I, I don't really believe, believe in ghosts, but this happened to me. And I mean, for all I know, they could be lying, but if they're not, then what the heck yeah what the heck was that yeah and this is something i always ask dave like you remember her clear as day like sitting in the car like she was a physical person yeah she was sitting right behind us like a normal person oh my god that's so terrifying it's not like i touched her or anything yeah yeah yeah. but she's a real person or not (laughs) hey hey, before you get in the car (laughs) let me pat you down (laughs) ghost patrol That was my story. In summary, I mean, I don't really believe in illogical explanation of ghosts like all the other stories that you mentioned, but this one always will stick with me because I saw it firsthand. It's just crazy. Dude, it is seriously like a movie. Like the way that is that you told that. Because I, I can see it. Like you could literally create a cinematic for that. And it's like, I don't know, like a five-minute video on YouTube, right? But dude... it's that grandpa at the end that freaking gets me that's like the double twist yeah well no for me it's like really like the the ending anywhere he's like you see that other picture you just know you just know i would if i was your dad i wouldn't even look i would just bye (laughs) peace (laughs) the other part of the story that okay admittedly i have heard the story before but actually i kind of forgot some of it so i was strapped in just now i was like what's the twist what's gonna happen The other part that gets me every time is the concept of like, she was in your vehicle. Like, you know, I'm talking about my auntie is like, you know, they'll lick their feet or they'll be in your car. That they were in your car. (laughs) She was in your car. I know you say like you, you follow the science. You don't believe in the illogical, but what's the folklore theories around can a ghost like follow you after they've sat in your car or like, does that make sense? Like, could they come overseas? (laughs) Are they in LA is what she's asking or in San Diego? I mean... (laughs) There is, you know, I mean, we're Hindu, right? Harini and I, so we believe in reincarnation, right? So at some point, I guess if you, your spirit probably wanders around if that's your last uh, reincarnation. Because yeah. after that, I guess if you have done well, then you uh, get you get moksha, which is basically, right? Like Nirvana release. Nirvana, right? But if, if you don't get that, then, then what the heck happens to that that spirit, I guess? Yeah. So... I mean, many people believe that depends on what kind of death you had or what yeah, that's what true. number of reincarnation you were going through. But for me personally, I don't know, it's hard for me to say. So I had that experience and then then I hear stories like what you said <laughs> about people following hey, hey, hey. this and that. And so. No, I think, I think it was good that your story ultimately is at the end because... I'm sorry, not to, not to like, you know, poo poo some of the folklore that you told, but I think it was a good setup for like what feels really authentic. To save the best for last. Well, thank you, Dave, for sharing that lovely story with us. It's my favorite ghost story. And it's why we're in love. (laughs) (laughs) No, truly, truly well done. Like what a unique ghost story and unique experience. Love that. All right. Thank you, Dave. What a pleasure having you. So we're letting him go. (laughs) He has exited the building. Okay. To lighten the mood a little bit. I found this on Reddit. It has nothing to do with Asia or folklore or any of the above. I think it's still like a ghost story. But 
The title is called The Slap Ghost. In a village close by, there's the story that in a specific road through the woods, several guys were being slapped when they passed in a bicycle. <laughs> sorry. I can't it's help it. Funny part. It's I'm funny sorry. Part. Okay, go ahead. This is scary. This is real. Okay. Several guys were being slapped when they passed in a bicycle in the late 70s. Okay, first of all, I'm so sorry, user, whoever wrote this, but they have a lot of grammatical errors, and I'm I'm not one to judge, but they said when they passed on a bicycle in the late 70s, but they spelled it latte. <laughs> okay. I appreciate it. Yeah. Always at night, one of these guys was my grandfather. He was alone and was slapped and fell off his bicycle. No one was there. Several people came home full of bruises and scratches from the bicycle fall after the slap in the face. Suddenly, the slap stopped for a few years. And then in the 80s, the ghost came back. One young guy was slapped in the face in the same place. Funny thing is that the mystery was solved that same day. It was a fucking branch from a tree. The old guys from the 70s came home late from the old bar, completely drunk, including my grandfather, and without any source of light, they would get hit by the branch and fall. Then the tree was trimmed, and the slap stopped until it grew again and made this 80s guy the next victim. Lucky for him, he was sober and realized what hit him. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> In my head, I'm like, I'm glad the tree came back to slap them again because they deserved ghost. it. <laughs> slap ghost. The slap ghost. So good. It's so good. Funny. Any other stories that you were holding off on? I had one more personal experience, like actually personal to me, that made, um, yeah, because like I said earlier, like I believe in ghosts and spirits, but it's all because of how like my mom has talked about things and also coming from an Islamic background on some level you know we believe in jinn so I think that ties into the superstitions but from like a very western standpoint I don't really believe in like ghost ghosts but the, I don't know like I'm so it's not that I'm on the fence like I believe that you can respect that there could be a spirit and I do that because I'm like if there is a spirit at least I'm respecting them like I'm basically I operate in a way where I'm like I'm playing it safe that being said <laughs> Um, I've had one experience where I was like, oh, I feel like I maybe really just witnessed mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. And then, like my really? doubts kind of faltered for a moment. But it's it's not that exciting. But so down here in San Diego, there's a there there's Old Town, which is uh -huh. like our, you know, um, like how you would see like an old gold mining town. Like that old town is our like back in the day, 1800s, the first city Preserved in San Diego. Old. Yeah. Right part of old town is this historical house called the whaley house and as a tourist attraction because the whaley house used to have gallows on its property so people who broke the law and stuff they would be hung there but as a tourist attraction they do special tours at night and people the 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 host dresses up in like victorian era wear or like 1800s garb and they'll like walk you through the house and be like they say this house is haunted and blah 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 and like there's gallows on the property so as the last part of the tour there's a cemetery about a half a block down and they they bring the whole tour group to the cemetery and they pretty much encourage you to like take photos or whatever and they're always they even said like you know take photos you never know what you might see we we have guests who say that they see orbs all the time or blah blah blah, blah. so me i think i'm with manira and maybe drew and ben i honestly forgot who i was with i feel like i was with manira um but we're all just like popping off our uh, cell phone cameras taking photos taking photos blah blah blah, blah. I don't look at my photos at all, like during the tour or after or whatever. I just like, D -d 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 -d. and I'm just having a good time, like having done this activity in general. I go home, like we go home for the night and I decide to look at my photos at home because I'm like, oh, like, let me see. Because I didn't, you know, I'm not thinking I'm going to see anything, obviously. So I'm flipping through photos and there was one point in time where I was in the cemetery and taking photos of the same exact spot in rep repetition just for the heck of it. So imagine you're like flipping through your camera roll and it's the same photo, same photo, same photo, same photo, same photo. And then one more pass and then stop. And I see two little rings of light in the photo, what some would consider orbs. And this was a moment for me where I was like, logically, could have just been two dust particles that happened to be caught in this one photo. 
That's the logical answer. But it was a very unnerving moment to just be going through literally five of the same exact photo and one of them has a difference. And that was like the one where I was like, oh. And I even showed Manira and she was like, that's a little eerie. That's really? a little bit creepy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes in my head when I want to be like playful and fun, I'm like, maybe I did catch orbs yeah. like that day. Maybe I did catch something. And the other side of me is like, no, no. It's it's just <laughs> Your coincidence. Mind. Yeah. <laughs> So that's my story. Actually, that's so funny. I did not know this story, first of all. This is my first time hearing it. But before you even started to tell a story, I was like going to tell Poison Pals, if you are ever in San Diego and you want to go to like a haunted place, definitely hit up the Whaley House. I went there as part of like a first grade field trip. They made us go to the Whaley House and I was terrified. I was terrified from such a young age. I don't know why I was like, I mean, because my mom probably told me some scary stories. Oh, yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah. She primed she you. Primed you. <laughs> but I was really scared being in that house and you can go all the way through the rooms mm-hmm, and go mm-hmm. upstairs. I was trying to look it up um, why it's haunted because I think the daughter or the wife unless you know Megan was killed in the house and she was like killed on the stairs, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I forget because I know the house was haunted and I'm like, why would it be haunted if the galas were outside? So I think something malevolent did happen in the home. I remember us going through the Whaley house and them telling us that whoever was the daughter or the mother of the household was killed violently on the steps of the house. And when you go up those stairs, sometimes people have reported feeling like someone tapping on their shoulder mm-hmm, and then you mm-hmm. turn there's nobody there. And sometimes as you go, it's like two flights of stairs. Like it's a stair and then there's a landing and then stairs to go all the way down. So sometimes on the landing, there's a window and then the window overlooks the garden. And there are those who say that you'll sometimes see the lady of the house walking through the garden, maybe with her her child who also died, I think. But yeah, I personally never experienced anything. And it's funny because I definitely believe in ghosts, but yet I've never had any encounters with the supernatural. So I think it's just interesting because I feel like, like, for example, Dave, like I would say in general, he doesn't believe in ghosts yet. He had a firsthand encounter. So it's just so interesting. Like people are just different that way. Even if they had several encounters, people just won't believe in it. You know, I kind of just am of the mind where like how some people are like, absolutely there's aliens. Like there's no way I'm kind of like, there's just way too many stories data wise like there's too much data out there of stories about ghosts and people seeing things and taking pictures of things that are unexplainable for it to not be true and fun fact poison pals paranormal activity was filmed like three streets up from my house i don't know if that actual house is where it happened do you know i don't know if that's the case i think it's just the house where they filmed that's where they filmed i oh i I actually don't know enough about the movie. I I just always assumed that the movie was just a movie. I didn't think it was based on anything. I think it's loosely based off something. And I do think that the, I do think the paranormal activity house, like like the actual story was in San Diego as well, but I don't think that's where they filmed it. I think it was actually somewhere near Coronado. I think Um, I'll have to double check myself, but, and I know, I don't know if they do this anymore, but I do remember like growing up, because uh, that's around the time that it actually came out when I was still like in high school or maybe even middle school, uh, they would open up that house during Halloween and you could do tours through there. Yeah. I never went. <laughs> no, 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 I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually have never seen Paranormal Activity. Neither have I and I never will. <laughs> it's, I don't know. Maybe it's time. Maybe I'm old enough to like not be like scared of. I know. I think that too. Horror. But then, no, I still get scared. Yeah. I 100% still get scared. (laughs) All right. That was our episode on ghost stories. I think it was a little mishmash of a little bit of everything. But obviously, the main event tonight was Dave's ghost story, his famous ghost story. I'm glad everyone was able to hear it all at once. But now let's go into our antidotes of Mm -hmm. the week. I can go first. I think, well, I don't know. I shouldn't presume. I was going to say, I think we have the same antidote. But my antidote for sure was last Friday, Megan and I hung out and <laughs> we made a day of it, honestly. Like we both got off work kind of early and we met each other at one Halloween store. We went, we met at Party City 
And then we did the rounds, got whatever we needed to do our thing. Then we headed over to Michael's, got some stuff, got some crafts because we were going to make Halloween costumes that night. Uh, And then we ended up hitting up two more Halloween stores just because they were there. We love that. Got some fried chicken and then went home and just had a great time. We had a whole craft night. Megan is a boss and she owns a hot glue gun. Like I don't know many people our age that own a hot glue gun. So I was very thrilled with that. Uh, So we just had a really great craft night and I just made, I was Sagittarius, my sun sign. So I made a little makeshift, like uh, made arrows and a little, I don't know what you call it. Like quiver. Quiver. The thing yes. that carries the yes. quiver, the quiver <laughs> to carry the arrows, and did some makeshift. Like Megan was teasing me because all the stuff I got from Michaels was more like Christmassy. <laughs> like, this is not very Halloween. I was like, what? she was, she was already thinking ahead to yeah, the next yeah. holiday. <laughs> I was supposed to be like a Christmas demon, but anyways, it was just a really fun time, and like we went out, and it was interesting because it was early. Like it was, uh, it's like we went out and dressed up. It's like the second weekend of October. So obviously no one is really dressed up except for us, but it was interesting to have everyone be like, Whoa, like what are you guys dressed up as? And everyone was very interested in what we were doing. And we just felt great. We just, uh, you know, painted the town. We totally did. People were commenting and it, it felt weird only because in my head I was like, what does, is not everyone else like, having at least throwing parties now because i'm i i don't know maybe that's a college mindset thing but in my head i'm like it's it's the second weekend of october that's only leaving like only two more weekends. weekends yeah so better start early yeah. <laughs> so it was interesting that people were so intrigued i will say harini's outfit i just licked my mic <laughs> harini's outfit was bomb because of how she literally crafted everything in that one day for it I was a lazy bum and I just I have these like all black sclera contacts that cover all the white of my eye and everything that I wanted to wear just it wasn't working out literally imagine Harini's crafted her she's she's made this beautiful Sagittarius outfit quiver and arrows and crown and everything and she's finished and I am still wandering about the house for hours trying to figure out what I'm gonna wear (laughs) I was literally just like I got I think I started getting ready at like eight yeah I was not ready until almost 11. (laughs) I was embarrassing I was just like I was kept going back and forth adding a little bit of this adding a little bit more of that we were just having a great time like there was no rush or agenda I don't think there ever is with us though we're leisurely (laughs) creatures Uh, I had a good time so that was my antidote love that that's a fantastic antidote um I don't want to be presumptuous, but my antidote is, I think we're replicating that last Friday tomorrow. Yeah, is that correct? Okay. <laughs> this time I am prepared. I will finally use the vampire fangs. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. wait, what else was she trying to use? It was the vampire fangs. Yeah. Okay. Just little subtle subtleties. Yeah, yeah. It was nice. Yeah. No, but the eyes are really scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were just enough to add that oomph yeah. and scary factor. You know, so by the end of the night, so the thing about sclera contacts is that there's a pupil hole so you can't you do have vision when you but it's like almost like you have horse blinders on like your peripherals are kind of cut off i think harini probably remember this by the end of the night i literally was like fuck these (laughs) i took them out and i just they're they're plastic like kind of like a silicone contact i didn't even have a contact case i just took them out put them in my purse forgot about them for a couple days and i looked at my purse i'm like oh fuck these contacts are done i didn't know that i didn't even check them out Oh, yeah, I took him out real quick. I'm done. <laughs> so yeah. now I no longer have sclera oh, contacts, no. which is such a shame because those could last a long time. But you, you can't revive what? them in like the solution. I already threw them out. I threw them out. <laughs> it's too late. We're past the point. Yeah. <laughs> Not looking back. Uh, but yeah, we are going to hopefully get dressed again tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to dress up as much as possible until Halloween is yeah. over because, you know, it only comes once a year, guys. And we're not getting any younger. Dang straight. Yeah. Alrighty. I'm assuming that was your antidote too. That's my okay. antidote. Cool, 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 cool. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Poison Pals, for listening to another episode. And if you like this episode, please do give us a nice rating and review. It helps us so much for our little, little podcast to get noticed by all y'all. So we appreciate you. And we'll see you next week, which I think is our last episode for the Spooktober for series. For Spooktober. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. Be a big one. 
It's gonna be a big one. Catch us live Catch on live Instagram. Thing. All right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So we're gonna have. It's gonna be one year of the podcast on October 26th. So if you want to listen to our first live episode, we will be doing that either on IG Live, probably IG Live, at 6:30 on Tuesday, October 26th. So 6:30 p.m. PST. BZ. Be there. Be square. All right. <laughs> we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.